ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? It's another JKWD podcast, and this one is fantastic. <laughs> Does that mean you liked it, Josh? <laughs> I did, and I dragged out the intro a little bit because I noticed that you were holding in that that smile and I had to build up to something to get you to get. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, you know, I'm trying to be less, less, uh, uh, susceptible to your awesomeness there. I may have to take another course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what are we going to do today? There, oh, boy, we have David Steele on today. He's the founder of the relationship. That's the beginning to tell we've been talking for two hours already. He's the founder of the Relationship Coaching Institute. Uh, he's written a bunch of books. He lives on a boat. We cover all that stuff in the actual podcast. So let's just remind people that we are brought to you by Audible, audibletrial.com slash JKWD. Get a free audiobook, a free month at Audible. Hey, we know that you like to listen to stuff because you're listening to the podcast. You know, why not? Why not let somebody read something into your ear holes? There are 200,000 books available and programs. They got all kinds of everything. So again, audibletrial.com slash JKWD for your free audiobook, your free month at Audible. Just go look around on the site. And away we go. Okay, so by now we've read your bio, and everybody has the same Google I do, but the, but it comes out very formal. So why don't you spend you know thirty seconds just telling us who you are and what you do and why? Uh, okay, wow, thirty seconds. Uh, all or ten minutes, however you, however you, long you, you want to take. You're allowed to move that line any way you like. <laughs> okay, well you know my. My story is pretty common for people in the helping profession. You know, I, I grew up with, had a very unhappy childhood, trying to figure it all out, went to college, got a degree in psychology, uh, decided to go in the business of helping people as also a way of developing myself, and I became a marriage and family therapist. And my passion is couple and family relationships. So uh, marriage and family therapist seemed like a way to go, and I was a practicing marriage and family therapist for quite a long time. Uh, and the emerging profession of coaching came along. And at first I was a bit suspicious of it, like all these people that don't have licenses collecting money to help people with their lives. Hey, that's what I do. Uh, but I looked into coaching and it's very, very positive, very, very empowering. Uh, it, it really is kind of the next evolution of therapy, in my opinion. And I just became totally in love with and excited about coaching. And I transitioned my practice to coaching. I uh, became certified as a coach. And I ended up founding Relationship Coaching Institute because my colleagues in the area were demanding <laughs> that I 
train them, that I show them what I was doing, because I was experiencing a lot of fun and a lot of success uh, in my practice, and it got their attention. And that was the birth of Relationship Coaching Institute, and that was in 1997. Awesome. So how did you come across this as a specialty in the first place? Why, why did you start there with the uh, um, mean, uh, fam- family and couples? Family well, like I said, I, I, you know, my parents divorced when I was a kid. Uh, I had a very unhappy childhood. My parents were miserable. Now they, you know, uh, passed that misery on to me. Uh, but by nature, I'm a very positive, optimistic person. So I, I didn't want to live in that misery. I wanted to do something about it. And so that drew me to personal growth and the relationship profession. Gotcha. Well, I, I mean, I, uh, you and I, I know you because obviously um, your packet appealed to me one day and I wrote you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about RCI for a second, if you don't mind. Um, and, and I wrote you uh, to get some information. It was on those done for you free things. And, and um, you may remember this email, but you kept sending me information and you kept giving me, me more resources and you kept saying all these wonderful things. And I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? He's not asking me for money. What is the deal with the, what's, you know, I'm, 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 I'm skeptical now because you're not asking me for money. And, you know, has he been secretly taking it out of my account or what? <laughs> so do well, you that's, have, what coach, uh, that's what coaches do. I mean, coaches market by providing value. We have to establish the connection, build the relationship, market by providing value. That's the only way to go. It's, it's, it's relationship marketing. It's just not about, you know, selling you. It's about enrollment. There's, in coaching, there's a big difference between selling and enrollment. And enrollment is a conversation. It's a relationship. Selling is just, you know, we don't want to get into selling. That doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah, we don't like that. So Excellent. Well, it worked for me, and I will say – you have given and tr- and continue to give tremendous value over the time. I think it I think it took it took us two years for me to actually go. Okay, let me commit to something, and I will say that I have not regretted a single second of it. Um, the organization which you have created is wonderful and empowering, and I I I love it. So we'll start off saying that, and then we'll get back to. All right, David, let's talk about relationships. Yeah, okay. And by the way, thank you, Kelvin, for, for your feedback about that. I, I, it's the first time I've heard that from you, and I'm, uh, it makes me very happy. You just made my day. Ah, glad I could do that. So relationships, you know, we all have them. <laughs> I've had a few, you know. Um, and one of the things that, that is really impressive to me uh, that you have here, and I'd never heard before, uh, listening to your information, is that relationships have different stages or phases, uh, a kind of thing. Can you speak to us a little? Now, did you come up with that, or? Well, y- yes and no. Um, well, first of all, uh, stages of relationships or developmental phases of relationship—that is not a new idea at all. There's different models out there for that. Uh, what's going on for me is that when I was, you know, a therapist transitioned into coaching, uh, my creative juices really got going because there was no relationship coach training program at the time. There was nobody that can show me how to coach relationship as opposed to do therapy on them or give advice on, on them or 
uh, you know, any other form of relationship help. I really was a true believer in coaching. So I wanted to apply coaching to relationships. There was no relationship coach training program. Nobody could show me how to do that. So I had to figure it out. And in the process of figuring it out for myself, uh, I, I had flashes of brilliance. <laughs> and one of them was the idea that relationships go through stages that lend themselves to coaching as opposed to stages for other purposes or reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I came up with uh, five stages of relationship coaching specifically. And I'd like to go into uh, what they are. Uh, we we do that. Just before you do that for a second, let me ask you one question, if you don't mind. Since you were initially a therapist and you moved into coaching, uh, talk to our audience about the difference between those two modalities. That's a great question. You know, uh, therapists are, when we talk about therapists, in, in, in my sense, we're talking about psychotherapists or marriage and family therapists or uh, licensed clinical social workers that are trained as therapists to help people. Uh, and generally, uh, psychologists, you know, people like that. And generally, these are licensed mental health professionals. They are licensed by the state. They take an exam. They have, uh, you know, professional training and standards and ethics. Uh, and they approach their clients. They're trained to approach their clients in a particular way. They are trained to diagnose and treat, uh, get this, mental, emotional, psychological disorders. That is what a licensed mental health professional is trained to do, to diagnose and treat mental, emotional, and psychological disorders. In the case of a marriage family therapist and maybe a clinical social worker, also they might have training in uh, addressing relationships. Now, the reality is very, very few MFTs or social workers, very few licensed people have any training to work with the relationships at all. All of our training is focused on, is focused on the individual, uh, and I can go on a whole rant about that, uh, but uh, that's probably the biggest difference because a coach approaches uh, a client as a whole person, uh, as you're okay, you're okay, you are functional, uh, you are an adult human being capable of managing your life, and my job is to help you uh, accomplish your goals. My, my job is to help you achieve success in what you want to be successful at, not to diagnose and treat your mental, emotional, or psychological disorders. Now, the, where it gets confusing a bit is because therapists are personal growth oriented. We want to help our clients be happy too. Uh, however, our training is not in personal growth, in uh, setting goals, accomplishing goals, achieving happiness and fulfillment. Our, our, our training is fixing problems, addressing, you know, serious shit that goes on in people's lives, that the messes they get themselves into. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to solve these problems and, and fix, help the client fix the situation. And that's not what a coach does at all. A coach is helping a client basically be clear about who you are and what you want, how to get what you want, then hold your hand and kick your butt every step of the way until you accomplish that. And one of the, uh, one of my, one of my favorite ways of illustrating uh, coaching and the need for coaching Mm -hmm. is uh, in the area of uh, health and weight loss, for example. So uh, losing weight, losing weight is a multi-billion dollar industry 
Most people in America need to lose some weight. Most people want to lose some weight. Losing weight is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple because all you got to do is exercise more and eat less. That's it. Now, everybody knows how to lose weight. Oh, you ask anybody on the street, how do you lose weight? You exercise more, you lose, you, you know, you eat less. It, it, it's simple. Everybody knows it. But knowing it and having it be simple doesn't make it easy. And that's why it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And that is the power of coaching. So what we do as a coach is we help you accomplish a goal that seems impossible to you. It seems really, really hard to do. Uh, it might be simple. You might know how to do it. But your challenge, it's really hard to do. And so we help our clients achieve what feels like the impossible. And there's, a, there's a, an under, underlying reason why coaching works, which is we are social beings. We are not born alone. We're born into a, a parents and a family. We are not raised alone. We're raised by others. We don't want to live alone. We live in a family. We live in, in a couple relationship. You know, we live in a community. So we are social beings. We are wired for social support, to give and get support. We, we optimize our functioning when we have enough support. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about coaching and the beautiful thing about support is we can accomplish anything. I mean, literally anything. You want to go to the moon? You can go to the moon with enough support. You want to climb Mount Everest? You can climb Mount Everest with enough support. When you think about it, you can accomplish anything with enough support. And so that's what coaches do. We provide the level of support needed for the client to accomplish a big, huge, important goal they have. And I'm sorry, I'm a therapist and I, I love what therapists do, but that's not what therapists do. Although therapists in their mind's eye, in their self-perception, they believe that's what they do. But coaching and therapy are very, very different modalities. How we actually help our clients are very, very different. Awesome. I like that. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to just take that segment right there and, and isolate it and play it in my head every single day. <laughs> I do that. So, okay. All right, Josh, you got any questions in there? Uh, no, I, I, I was sitting here listening and, and I was going to um, try to simplify the thought and then, and then David went ahead and simplified it. <laughs> it, was, it was it went from I'm, coaching is building strengths and uh, getting you where you want to go, and uh, there you know therapy is is fixing problems. You you you, uh, you grab that you grab that phrase out of out of the air. Um, awesome. All right, so <clears throat> so we were gonna segue, I think, into. Into the five stages of relationships. Yeah, and the stages of relationships. So, and um, so, go ahead, David. Talk to us about uh, about the five stages of relationships. Okay. So, um, when I first stumbled upon coaching and decided to apply to relationships, I I developed these five stages of relationship coaching, uh, and it's similar to the phases that a person would go through starting from scratch when you're single to having a successful couple relationship. And, and that's my emphasis. My emphasis is on uh, successful, fulfilling couple relationships. As a relationship coach, that's what I specialize in. That's what I care about. 
That's what we do at Relationship Coaching Institute. We don't, you know, worry about business relationships. We don't worry about relationships in general, uh, as important as they might be. We focus on personal relationships. So the, the stepping stones, uh, you might call it, uh, from uh, being single to being in a fulfilling couple relationship, uh, uh, I identify five of them. And here they are. Uh, there is uh, readiness uh, when you are single. There, the big idea about it, about readiness, is singles become couples. And gee, why don't you? Uh, is there something you can do to set yourself up for success so that when you become a couple, you are more likely to have a successful long-term relationship? And so that's what the readiness stage is all about, is what can I do? What can I, how can I prepare? How can I become more ready? Uh, how can I, you know, get a good start on finding the love of my life and living the life that I love? So that's a readiness stage. Uh, and uh, the second stage then, once you're ready for a relationship, once you're ready to date, uh, is what I call the attraction stage. And I call it the attraction stage to highlight that it's, it's not just about going out seeking and finding and, you know, taking your club and, you know, beating the cave woman over the head and dragging her home. Uh, it's also about the, the law of attraction. The law of attraction is always operating. And what's inside comes up on the outside. And like attracts like. I mean, those are, are universal principles of the universe, whether you believe in them or not. And they, they operate all the time. And so there's things you can do to leverage the law of attraction for you and for your success. And if you don't, then it tends to work against you. So I call it the attraction stage, even though it's really more about getting out there and dating and finding the person that you're looking for. Uh, so the second stage is attraction. And so the, in these two stages, you're single. And in these two stages, uh, I wrote a book about these two stages called Conscious Dating. And uh, we just completed a, uh, a docu-series for uh, television called Radical Dating. And you can look that up on, on, uh, you can look that up on the Internet, Radical Dating. Uh, it's the application of conscious dating for the purpose of, you know, finding somebody to have a radical marriage with. And I'll get into that in stage five, actually. Okay. Um, so... Uh, that is the readiness stage and the attraction stage for singles. And that's what we cover in our singles training at Relationship Coaching Institute. Then uh, the third stage is pre-commitment. And uh, in my profession, in the uh, profession of relationships, uh, we tend to lump uh, unmarried couples uh, and dating couples and new couples and couples that have been living together for years and years and years but haven't been married yet, we, we tend to lump them all together into premarital. But what made sense to me is that a premarital couple is a couple who, in their mind, they're committed. A pre-committed couple, in their mind, you know, they're happy that they found somebody they're exclusive. They made this mini commitment to not date anybody else, but they are, they are, they are not sure that this is the one that they're going to be together forever. Uh, so they're pre-committed. They're not yet committed. So this is the big idea about the pre-commitment stage is, uh, gee, is this the right relationship for me? Should I make a commitment here? 
it's a stage that we all go through, especially if we're conscious and we're paying attention and, you know, we're realistic adults. The unrealistic ones say, hey, I found somebody. I'm in love. We're going to live happily ever after. But I tell you, uh, with the high divorce rate and the high failure rate of relationships, people are a lot more cynical. They're a lot more scared of commitment than they used to be. Their marriage rate is actually going down because of that. And so the pre-commitment stage is just pervasive. It's huge. Yeah. Yet it is unrecognized in the literature. It's unrecognized in research. It's unrecognized by any relationship expert out there before I came up with it. And the, uh, the interesting thing is that when I came up with this stage, you know, I, I, I knew I knew all the characteristics of the stage because I dealt with them a lot in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I called it pre-commitment, although I hated the word and I was trying to, it was a bookmark word. I, I, I wanted to come up with something better. And to this date, I've never come up with anything better. So it kind of stuck. So uh, the pre-commitment and, and even premarital stage, that's stage three, which is when a single becomes a couple, they are not yet committed. They have a goal of becoming a committed they would like to be committed and live happily ever after with this person because they certainly don't want to be single again. They don't want to break up. So the momentum, the inertia is definitely towards staying together. Uh, but because they are afraid of commitment, because they're afraid of failure, because they don't want to make a wrong choice, they're a lot more cautious. They tend to stay single longer. They tend to stay in this stage longer. They tend to be more willing to walk away if there's problems because, you know, they don't want to be saddled with somebody they're going to be miserable with because uh, they, you know, people are too hyper aware of that nowadays. Uh, and I don't blame them. I mean, I grew up with that. I wouldn't wish that with anybody. You, you must know so that stage. <laughs> yeah. So, so the big idea, the big idea for stage one for the readiness stage is, gee, there might be something you can do as, as a single person to set yourself up for success so that when you date and find somebody, that you can find somebody and live happily ever after. There's something you can do to be, become ready and prepare for that. The big idea of stage two, the attraction stage, is, you know, gee, there might be some things you can do to date effectively. And I do want to get into uh, how to date more effectively, maybe after we go through the stages, mm-hmm. uh, because it's actually very simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it is simple. And it makes a lot of sense to singles once they hear it. Uh, so there are things, the big idea in stage two is, yeah, there's things you can do to date effectively and find the love of your life and so, and, and find somebody that you can live happily ever after with. Uh, but when you're single and, and you see there's millions of singles out there, but you don't seem to click with anybody, it, it, it's frustrating, it's discouraging, you know, and it, it makes you feel very, very alone. And I, I have the fix for that. Uh, ooh, uh, and then, and then, so your, your and big they, idea, number and, one. That that self discovery one, yeah, readiness and self discovery. Yeah, tell me what's the, the big, big idea. The, the big idea is that there's there are things you can do to set yourself up for success. That if you don't do these things and you start dating, you're setting yourself up for failure, because the choices you make when you're single have consequences. And you're going to choose somebody and you're going to develop a relationship with them. And it may or may not be successful. If you want to be successful, then make these choices while you're single to set yourself up for success when you find somebody and become a couple. 
Okay, I have a question for you because I listened to one of your other talks, and if this is if this is uh, out of place, then you can you know cover it later or something. But I heard you talking about when you were talking about conscious dating, I think that you talked about couples who, because of the fear of commitment, end up living together for a while to see if it's going to work rather than just committing. Uh, yeah, is this a good place to talk to talk about that? Uh, well, yeah, sure. And uh, let's make sure we get to the uh, uh, the fourth and fifth stage. But okay, uh, yeah. definitely. Let, uh, this is part of pre-commitment, and uh, there's a version of pre-commitment that I call the mini marriage. And uh, actually, I didn't come up with the term. The term is uh, you know preceded me, but uh, the mini marriage is uh, when you are in a relationship. It's an exclusive relationship. You're not really thinking about, talking about, not very conscious of the long-term commitment. It's sort of living in the now. Uh, and you might be ignoring some red flags because you don't want to be alone and because, you know, there are things that work about it. You know, you might have some financial help. You might be having great sex. You might be having some help with your kids as a single parent. So... You know, we, we enter these relationships and there's benefits of the relationship. And then there's also downsides that kind of hold us back from uh, making a full commitment. But it's not enough for us to push us to leave the relationship. So we hang in there. We stay in this mini marriage, hoping it's going to get better, hoping it'll magically transform into the love of our life. And we're going to live happily ever happily after. But, it, you know, it doesn't work. All right. I uh and that's probably the biggest relationship mistake that people make. And that's what we're trying to change as relationship coaches. And that's what the, the book Conscious Dating addresses. And that's why we're going through these stages. Okay. So, so stage four. I'm saying, yeah. Stage four. Yeah. Stage four is, is uh, the committed couple. And so this is when you've decided, yes, uh, I want to be with you forever. I want to make a long-term commitment to this relationship. You know, most people do want a lifelong commitment. If you take a poll, most people do want lifelong commitment. However, the polls, the uh, opinion surveys do show that the marriage license is a little less valued than it used to be. And people see a marriage uh, license as kind of a, uh, a setup for failure as, you know, the next step is divorce. And, you know, they're a bit afraid of it. But they definitely want commitment. They just don't necessarily need to be married. So that's where it gets a little gray. But you can definitely uh, form a committed relationship. Uh, and so what are some of the hallmarks of a committed relationship? Number one, the commitment is formal. You made a formal declaration of your commitment. It's not something that's assumed. Both people have made that uh, declaration. and. Uh, they've done it in front of witnesses in some way. Other people know they've become committed. They, they, they know the exact day and time this couple became committed. And it's legally binding in some way that the consequences of breaking up are, you know, you just can't walk away from a committed relationship. Uh, it takes a lot to undo it. Uh, so those are some of the hallmarks of a committed relationship, whether or not you have a, a you know formal marriage license or not. Uh, so working with committed couples, when a committed couple 
seeks help or seeks to do anything about their relationship is typically when they're in trouble, when they're having trouble communicating, when they're arguing, when, you know, the conflict is becoming uncomfortable or not. And, and so that's, uh, that tells me that there's a stage when you become a committed couple that the big idea is all about becoming a strong team and becoming functional. So, so that's the thing. It's like, if you were to get a new job that you're going to have a learning curve, it's going to take you a while to become competent and good at that job. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, a year or two later, then it's like you've been there for 20 years. Uh, same thing in a relationship. You form a new relationship. You're with somebody. It takes a while to build up the trust and the teamwork and get to know each other and develop your rituals and, and your agreements to the point where you're a strong team and you're functional together. And so uh, that is the big idea for stage four. It's all about becoming a functional team together. And that's where a lot of couples struggle. And that's where relationship coaches working with committed couples, that's where we start. And it's not from a, you know, uh, this relationship is unhealthy, you know, standpoint. Uh, by the way, uh, I hate that word unhealthy. I, I forbid my coaches to use it. Uh, you know, nowhere in Relationship Coaching Institute and anything that I publish uh, will you see the word unhealthy. It, it is an overused word. It is meaningless. Don't let anybody label you as unhealthy or your relationship as unhealthy because uh, really it's, it's just BS. It's just uh, an opinion. It's not a formal diagnosis. The, the word unhealthy is not in the DSM-4. <laughs> I promise you. All right. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> Good to uh, know. I, I, I got to get off my rant about that. But, uh, <laughs> so, so, so the big idea about stage four is becoming a functional team together. And that's our focus as, as relationship coaches when we start working with a committed couple. Right. And then once you're a functional team, then what? Now, as a therapist, this is as far as I went. This is as far as my training went. This is as far as my own experience went. I had no idea there was anything beyond that once you have a good relationship. Well, now I know that this is when it really gets juicy. <laughs> that once you're a functional team and, and, and once you have a good relationship, man, now you can fly. And so I call that stage the bliss stage like being blissful, like now I'm happy, I'm fulfilled, I'm living happily ever after, this is the life. But I have a question for you about this. Uh, and this uh -huh. is the big idea for, this is the big idea for stage five. Okay. What happens after happily ever after? Now realize that when you have a dream like, I want to find a love of my life, and I want to live happily ever after. What happens when you've accomplished that? You found the love of your life. Now you're happy. Now you're living your dream life. Then what? Does life stop? Do you just keep on going every day to exactly the way it is now? No. There's the next level and the next level and the next level. And so the big idea of stage five, you know, is, is, that you can go what I call beyond happily ever after. And some, some of these things, like 
I can tell you I'm living beyond happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that, uh, I can, t I can tell you some snippets about it. Uh, right. number one, uh, in your heart of hearts, we have dreams. And at the same time, there's a part of us, our inner voice is telling us that dream isn't possible. That dream isn't going to happen. That dream's not realistic. But, you know, we, we dream sometimes. You know, I had a dream. I, I dreamt when I was younger about becoming a dad and having twins. But now yeah, that, that'll never happen. Guess what? I had twin boys. You know, so be, be, be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. uh, but, <laughs> So, so there's times in our lives that we've had these dreams, but we've also pushed them down because we didn't think it was realistic. We didn't think it was really going to happen. And, and, the, and the other thing is that dreams evolve. And there's this, there's this big idea that I came up with uh, and included in the Radical Marriage book. And the Radical Marriage is all about the bliss stage. It's all about the unhappy ever after. Uh, and it's the idea that what you see depends upon where you're standing and where you're looking. What you see depends upon where you're standing and where you're looking. So if where you're standing is in a very unhappy, conflictual relationship, that's all you see. Mm -hmm. You can't see beyond that. Maybe you can see, okay, well, you know, maybe we can learn some skills. Maybe we can solve some problems. We can make some agreements and we can have an okay relationship. That's as far as you can see. But when you are standing in a great relationship, you can see a whole lot farther. You can see things that you couldn't see before in earlier stages. And this is a really, really exciting idea. There are adventures. There are possibilities beyond which you are aware of that as you grow and evolve and develop in your life and your own relationship and with your partner, that you will discover these new, these new adventures and these new ideas and these new possibilities. It's amazing. And I can tell you from the other side, it's freaking amazing. <laughs> and, so, and so as relationship coaches, it's really, really hard to, to, you know, when, when we're working with clients that they can't see all that, they can't see all those possibilities, but they do know they want to be happy and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we can do that. We can help them become happy and fulfilled and then go beyond that. So it's, it's one of those things we can't necessarily, uh, I want to say sell it, but I don't really mean sell. You right. can't necessarily con convince people that there's much beyond their dream because all they're aware of is their dream. So our job as coaches is to help them achieve their dreams. And then the real fun starts because then we can help them go way beyond that. It's freaking amazing. I love it. I think I'm going to sign up for that program. <laughs> <laughs> I need to sign up for that program. I need that one. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. I think now that we've kind of got the, the big outline and can we dive a little deeper into, into each one of these stages and, you know, you know, with the caveat, don't give away your whole book. You, you still want people to buy them. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but we, we could start uh, with readiness uh, if you're all right with that. Sure. Yeah. Whatever you, yeah. yeah what, um, whatever you want. 
Whatever you want to talk about. What what should uh, what should people do to get themselves ready? That would be the big question. Um, well, first of all, get the conscious dating book and uh, open it up to the the relationship readiness assessment, and and that's a great place to start. You take a look at ten areas of your life, and you know it's not like you have to be perfect to date, but you know you have to be aware. You have to be paying attention and you have to be uh, taking care of business. You know, you can't ignore stuff. It's the stuff that you ignore that's going to come up behind you and bite you in the butt later. So the readiness stage is all about becoming clear about who you are and what you want and how to get what you want. Okay, So you're going to develop a plan. Okay, I'm single. I want to find the love of my life. You know, I'm clear about who I am and what I want, and I have this plan for exactly how I'm going to do that. You know, then you're ready for stage two, actually getting it out there and start dating and finding that person. Uh, but the, the whole readiness part, you know, I, I, I don't want to come on high and say, oh, you have to be perfect. You have to have this certain level of readiness to start dating. Absolutely not. The most important part of readiness is to be aware and to be taking care of business. If you're honest with yourself and you can be honest with other people, you can you can uh, you can uh, live an authentic life. And it's the things that you don't like, that you ignore, that you don't want to see, that you don't want to talk about, that you don't want to deal with, that tend to sabotage us. So readiness is all about taking a look at at your yourself and your life, you know, with clarity and making sure that you're taking care of stuff that needs to be taken care of so it doesn't sabotage you later. And then you you said you wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about the attraction stage. Yeah. About yeah. dating more effectively. So so let's jump into that. Yeah, please. Uh, you know, the, the number one question, there, there's two big questions I get from single all the time. Uh, the number one question is, how do I find the love of my life? How? How do I do it? What do I actually do? And, and that's what I want to address right now. The, the second question is, where? Where do I find them? There's millions of singles in the world, and I don't seem to click with any of them. I, I can't find the love of my life. Where do I find them? Where are they hiding? And, you know, we can talk about that if we have time. But uh, the more important question right now is, is the how. Uh, and the how is actually very simple. Four steps for conscious dating. Scouting, sorting, screening, and testing. Now, if, if you are ready to find the love of your life, you know who you are and what you want in terms of your vision, your values, your dreams, your personality, what, who and what you're compatible with, uh, your your values. I, maybe I said that already. Uh, and <laughs> they, they must and, be and then, and and then your requirements. You know, you have requirements for a relationship. If one is missing, the relationship won't work. And you need to know what they are. And your needs. You have needs that you need for the relationship to work for you or for you to be happy. And if one isn't met, you're going to experience a problem, an issue of some kind. Now, it's not big enough to make you leave the relationship like a requirement, but, you know, it's important and it's got to be addressed. So you do have needs. What are they? And then there's your wants and your wants are the icing on the cake. This is what makes life fun and pleasurable and enjoyable. 
people tend to focus on that a bit too much, though, and they substitute wants for requirements or needs. Like, I want somebody that's tall, handsome, and rich and will take me skiing every weekend. Well, you know, okay, let's say they are tall and handsome and rich and take you skiing every weekend. You can still be miserable. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, the requirements, needs, and wants, and your vision and your purpose and all that stuff is in the readiness stage to become clear about who you are and what you want. And then you can apply those in your dating. And you apply those in your dating starting with scouting, which is finding somebody to meet. You scout for somebody that's in alignment with your vision and your values and your requirements and needs and wants. And the uh, internet dating, uh, online matchmaking, you know, uh, match.com, eHarmony, all, all the other, you know, uh, internet matchmaking resources, they make it very, very easy to scout. I love them. And, you know, they're tools and tools are only as effective as you use the tool, but they can be very, very, very effective. Then, uh, so that's a bit about scouting. Uh, sorting is the quickly is the process of quickly determining if somebody has enough alignment to get to know them better. I mean quickly. Now, an example of sorting is when you review somebody's profile online. But another example of, of sorting is let's say you meet somebody in line at the grocery store, or you know, in the old days they might meet him at the bar. But you know, maybe they still meet him at the bar. But I don't know. I'm not a bar person. I don't do that. Uh, but so when you first meet somebody, you know, is there enough there to get to know them better and, and to, you know, pursue something? And you can know this within the first five minutes, maximum 10 minutes of meeting somebody for the first time. If you are very clear and authentic about who you are and what you want, and you know how to get what you want. Otherwise, you find somebody attractive and you start dating them. And then three months later, their relationship blows up and then you do it all over again. And that doesn't work. That's the mini mirror style of dating. So the attraction stage is all about scouting, finding somebody to meet and doing so uh, effectively sorting, which can be done very, very quickly, especially if you're clear about your requirements, needs, want vision, purpose, and all that good stuff. And then screening screening is where you get to know the person better learn more about them and all, all the way along the line, you're comparing, you know, what you're learning about them versus your vision and your requirements and needs and wants. So you're screening them. It's more like a job interview. It's more like an audition <laughs> and, and you can screen somebody, you know, uh, I had lots of coffee dates when I was uh, single, uh, lots, many, 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 many coffee dates uh, in my single career. Uh, and I've single, been single at uh, a variety of times in my life. Uh, I've been uh, divorced twice. Uh, so in between divorces, I was single. And I would estimate I've had maybe 200, 250 coffee dates. Uh, you, you know, find somebody online, you meet them for coffee. You meet for half an hour or an hour to determine, is there any compatibility here? You get to know each other. You ask each other questions. You share each other's life story. You're screening. You get enough information to know, you know, is there enough potential here for a second date? And so, Kelvin and Josh, I'd like to ask you, out of those 250 or so coffee dates, how many do you believe resulted in second dates? Oh, my. Um, 
I, I don't know. Uh, let me see. Knowing you as I do, I don't know. Let's say 10. Wow, that's a great number. Uh, pretty close. I, I, would, I don't know the exact number, but I would say less than 10. <clears throat> so in my... Picky, aren't you? In my, you know, since my first divorce, which was in uh, uh, 1990, and my second divorce was around 2000. Mm-hmm. And in between, I have all these copy dates. Uh, I had less than 10 second dates. And I was practicing conscious dating before I even knew about conscious dating mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't want to waste my time. You know, I, I was a helping professional. I specialized in relationships. I wanted to find somebody that I could be happy with and somebody that I clicked with, somebody that I had chemistry with, somebody that I had their act together. And, you know, I was pretty discriminating. Uh, and so I did. There were not very many second dates. Uh, and so that's how you know you're practicing screening effectively. Uh, and then uh, the fourth stage is testing. Now, let's say you find somebody that passes your screening, and now you're ready for a second date. You're ready to get to know them better. You're ready to have some experiences with them. Go to the movies, go out to dinner, you know, go on, a, go on an adventure, go hiking. Uh, testing is a process of of getting to know somebody by having real experiences with them and testing the relationship. The important thing about testing is you do so having a single mindset. You are still a single person and you are dating another single person. Now, what happens with singles is they find somebody they get excited about and in their mind, boom, I'm in a relationship now. They, they, they lose the single mindset way too fast. Mm-hmm. And so in the, te- in the testing phase, in conscious dating, uh, we stay in a single mindset long enough to be clear, to have enough experience with this person that, that yeah, they fit what we're looking for. There are requirements and needs and wants and the chemistry's there, you know, all, the, all green flags. Are there just any red flags? No, we're out of here. Any yellow flags, we need more information, we'll address them. But if they're all green flags and we want to, then, you know, we're, we're ready to stop being single. We're ready to become an exclusive couple and then enter the pre-commitment stage. So that's what the testing stage is for. Stay single as long as you need to, to, to either decide, okay, I'm ready to stop dating other people and just focus on being with you. Or, you know what, it's close, you know, but... Not quite enough. Uh, I, I need to move on. And this is what I call the 80% relationship. There is too, there's too many single, too many couples that have settled for what I call an 80% relationship, which is 80% is great. 80% is wonderful and so aligned. And there's 20%, eh, not so much, but this is the best I can find. This is the best I'm going to get. So I'll settle for this. There's a lot of value here. There's a lot of benefit here. I don't want to be single anymore. So people settle for the 80% relationship, but you know what? That 20% never goes away. What you gave up, what you settled for, it always comes back. And you become dissatisfied. You become resentful. uh, You're not fulfilled. You're not happy. Uh, you know, it, it really sucks when you give up on yourself, you give up on your dream, you give up on uh, what I call 100%. And 
people believe and think it's impossible to find 100% of what you're looking for, to have 100% of what you really want. But you know what? That is totally self-fulfilling. If you don't believe you can do it, you won't do it. You won't look for it. You won't make it happen. However, if you go for 100%, I promise you, this is not perfection, by the way. It's just 100% of what you want in a relationship, in a partner, and in your life. I promise you, you can have 100%, not 99, not 90, not 80. You don't have to settle even a little bit. I promise you, you can have 100% of what you really want in your life. But not if you don't, you know, not if you talk yourself out of it, not if you settle. I, I, so heard, your, I, I heard your boot story <laughs> or your shoe story, you and Darlene. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. So, oh man, and that's all that. Oh, that was still in the dating and attraction, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's so. So that's how to find the love of your life. It's it's simple: scouting, sorting, screening, and testing. Just do it over and over and over until you find your soulmate. Boom. Now, how do you, you know, as a as a single, um, and then you know maybe later if you if you wound up settling, and and you discover that along the way, um, how do you walk away? You, know, I know a lot of people have a hard time looking at another person and say, "Hey, you're not enough for me. I'm sorry." Um, you, how how do you do that? Well. It, it's not a simple question. It depends upon the stage of relationship you're in. Uh, well, let's start if, with the you, let's start with the the coffee dates. Uh, you know, if you went on 250 and you had a uh, 10 second dates, then then you were able to look at 240 people in the eye and say, hmm, thanks anyway. Well, the kindest thing that you can do for yourself and the person you're meeting is to be clear and honest about where you're coming from. And that's very, very simple, actually. It's, you know what, it was great meeting you. I don't think we're a fit, but I wish you very, very well. Thanks for your time. And there's been lots and lots of, of, of women that I've had coffee dates with that they've told me that. And there's lots of people that I've said that to, and that is the best and kindest thing you can do for yourself and for the person you're meeting. And the, the hard thing, what, what, what's, what's important about conscious dating and the scouting, sorting, screening, and testing is to be decisive. A lot of times uh, people, you know, they meet somebody and there's a lot of good, but they're not, you know, not so sure about the rest. And they're well, yeah, I'll give them a chance. I'll give them a chance. And my position about giving people a chance is no, <laughs> no. I have, I have, I have been. If you're giving, if you're giving people a chance, then you are settling for sure, because you want to be with somebody you're excited about. You want to be with somebody that is so aligned and so exciting to you. It's clear as day. It's not going to be opaque. And so, trust me, you will meet them if you keep at it. 
scouting, sorting, and screening, and testing. Do it over and over and over until you find somebody that you're so excited about and is lined up with all, all green flags and is your soulmate. You can absolutely find them, but not if you settle. Absolutely not. And so uh, that's the best thing you can do is identify right away during that coffee date. You know what? This uh, it was great meeting you, but, you know, this isn't a fit for me. Just be honest and transparent about that. Be decisive about that, for crying out loud. Uh, because if it's not a strong yes, it's a no. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 I have a million favorite mottos. That's one of them. Uh, if it's not a strong yes, it's a no. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm guessing Darlene was oh, the second uh, so, so, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway uh, going back to your question about you know, knowing when to leave. Where in the in the in the dating phase, that's very easy with the coffee date. If you're practicing scouting, sorting, screening, and testing, that's very easy. You haven't invested a whole lot of time uh, and emotional energy with this person. Uh, the biggest problem when you do attach a lot of time and emotional energy is attachment. You have become attached to them. You have become attached to the relationship. You have become attached to not being single anymore. And attachment is different from love. I mean, you can become attached to your favorite sweatshirt. You become attached to your car. It's not the same as loving them. So when we're dating, we're spending too much time with one person and we get into a mini marriage. Now we're attached to this person. But you know what? As soon as you wake up and realize, whoa, you know, this isn't what I want for the rest of my life. And the best and kindest thing you can do for yourself is to, to get out of there. Say, hey, you know what? I just realized this isn't what I, I, I want for myself for the rest of my life. But it's been great getting to know you. I really valued our relationship. In relationship coaching, we have a whole goodbye process that we help people break up when one person had decided it's necessary to break up and do so in a very positive, empowering way. It doesn't have to be nasty. It doesn't have to be negative at all. So that's a bit about, you know, uh, letting go and leaving in the pre-commitment stage. Now, if you made a commitment, oh my gosh, you know, the, the story changes, the approach changes a lot. Uh, and I don't think we have the time to get into that right uh, today, uh, but it's so important. It's such a big deal. Uh, I, I have an ebook that I wrote about it. It's based on a, on, a, on a seminar that I gave, and it's probably the best treatment of the subject that I've ever done. And it's called, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And it approaches the decision of, should I stay or should I go, from a very positive, empowering position uh, of doing, you know, balancing what's right for you versus, you know, what's right for the relationship or your family or, or, or anything else. You know, there's no formula. There's no easy answer to this. When you're in a committed relationship, it is the most gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, hardest decision and hardest thing to do ever. And having done that twice, having been divorced twice, I don't want anybody to go through that. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It's awful. And so it's not to be taken lightly. It's very complex. 
And so I, I, you know, take a look at should I stay or should I go, in, you know, in Amazon, uh, and definitely work with a relationship coach, somebody who has some skills and training on helping you take a look at your relationship, you know, objectively, look at the consequences of leaving versus the consequences of staying. There's in committed relationships, there's a lot of facts and statistics that make a difference here. Uh, for example, probably the biggest, most important one that I've ever stumbled across in my life is that uh, uh, there's uh, Maggie Gallagher and Linda Waite. They wrote a book called The Case for Marriage. And in this book, there was a, uh, a study quoted. And the study followed thousands and thousands of couples that reported that they were either happily or unhappily married. And all it is is a survey. Are you happy, very happy, not happy, very unhappy? What's the deal? And so they identified all these couples and where they were at in their relationship. And then five years later, they follow up all these couples. And then they ask them again, survey. Are you happy? Are you not happy? Are you very happy? Are you very unhappy? What's the deal? And the results are astounding. 85% no, two-thirds, two-thirds of unhappily married couples five years later reported either being happy or very happy. Two-thirds. That's amazing. You would think that if they report being unhappy, about five years later, they'd be divorced. But no, two-thirds of them reported being happy or very happy five years later. Of the most unhappily married couples, the ones that reported being very unhappy, 85% of them reported being happy and very happy five years later. Oh, my God. The most unhappily married couples reported, 85% of them reported being happy and very happy five years later. What the heck? But, you know, it, it kind of makes sense if you, if you look at the big picture that things change. Nothing ever stays the same, ever. And that, you know, you stick it out and you're committed to your relationship, you're committed to your family, and, you know, things change. Things get better. Things that you thought were a problem, they're not a problem anymore. Problems often go away all by themselves, you know. And so that by itself makes it a whole lot more complicated. You just can't look at an unhappy marriage and say, okay, you guys are unhappy, break up. You know, not at all. But in earlier stages, it is very clear and black and white and easy that, hey, if this isn't aligned with what you're looking for, get out as soon as possible. But once you're committed, the picture changes, you know, almost 180 degrees. So I had kind of a kind of a leap question because I don't know what I'm talking about, which is why we have you here. Um, and I want to be respectful of your time. So if this starts to get long for you, I know you have a, a, a yeah, just signal us and, and we will uh, start wrapping up. But um, I was wondering if someone in the pre-commitment stage can start looking ahead, not, to the committed couple stage, but to the bliss stage already. Can you have a vision for five in stage three? Oh, yeah, and I should want you, you to. 
I want you to. I mean, th- that's why Darlene and I wrote the book Radical Mirrors. You know, we we want you to uh, to see the next evolution of marriage. We want you to have a glimpse into beyond happily ever after. That is the easiest and most reliable way to get there. If you believe it's possible and you have an idea of what it looks like, you can get there. If you don't believe it's possible, you have no idea what it looks like. It's a lot harder to get there. So yes, that's why we wrote Radical Mirrors and that's why we want to take a strong stand for Beyond Happily Ever After uh, is that, yeah, start with that vision and that dream as early as possible and then find somebody to share that vision and dream with. Then you can achieve your vision and dream. It's not rocket science. <laughs> now you have two, you have two lines here. If, Josh, were you done with that? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You have two lines here. You have one that's conscious. You have one that's radical. What's the difference between the two? Uh, conscious dating is simply uh, conscious refers to awareness. Just being aware of what you're doing, aware enough about who you are and what you want and how to get what you want, uh, and to be aware of what you need to be ready and what you what, you know, be aware of what you're doing when you're dating. It's all about being aware and making conscious choices that result in your success because our choices have consequences, all of them, even the ones we don't make. And if we're conscious of the consequences of our choices, then we'll choose the ones that will be successful for us, that will get us what we want. So that's what conscious dating, that's what being conscious is all about. And uh, believe it or not, we make unconscious choices all the time, all the time. We're not really thinking about it. We're just knee-jerking along. And so, you know, it takes effort to be conscious. Uh, and having a coach really, really helps. Because your, your, your coach will watch your back. Your coach will be conscious and aware of things that, that you find it hard to stay aware of. So uh, that's a bit, bit of a plug for coaching there. Uh, <laughs> so radical is a step beyond that. Radical is making a strong stand you know what? I'm going for it. I'm all in. I'm going to play large. I'm going to go for a hundred percent. I'm not settling for even a tenth of a percent below that. So a radical marriage, radical dating, radical dating is a process of finding somebody that you can have a radical life and a radical marriage with, not just an okay, normal, you know, life and marriage, not just a good, reasonably good, nice, conforming, traditional, okay marriage and, and life, but, you know, an amazing life. You're going for a hundred, 100% all in. And it's a radical idea because marriage itself is very traditional. It's the foundation for the family. You get married to have kids and perpetuate the species, and 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 have, and this is your legacy. Uh, and it's only recently, in in you know this current and past generation, that we developed the idea that we can live for way more than just survival, and we don't have to follow traditional norms. And that's another aspect about radical is that we are the pioneer of our destiny. We can create the life we want. It's no longer going, going to be dictated to us. We're no longer constrained by, you know, society and our family, 
you know, our roles and our possibilities are so much beyond what they were a hundred years ago. And that's a, and so the radical idea here is that you are the pioneer of your life and of your destiny, and you only got one. You only got one. So you might as well go for it. Take the big risk. Darlene and I sold our house. We bought a boat. We don't have the mortgage deduction anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> our, our, our boat, our boat could sink at any minute, and we would lose it all. Okay, think about that. Are you willing to take a big risk with all your assets, including all your stuff that you value, that it could sink and go away at any minute? Not very many people would do that. But this is the life we want. This is our adventure. We are the pioneer of it. We're not the first ones. There's lots of people that live on boats. There's lots of people that cruise around the world like, like, we're, like we do. However, it takes a certain type to do that. Not everybody would want to do it. So for you, what is your radical life? What is your radical marriage? What is your dream beyond happily ever after? And many people, they want comfort. They want security. They want financial security. They want to be conservative about that. They don't want to take risk. And I absolutely honor that. And radical, radical marriage is not for those people. Radical marriages for living your life as a couple as your greatest adventure, going forward and taking the risk necessary to make it happen because you only go through this life once. So you make the most of it. Great. Well, you are a very enlivening conversation, sir. Now, <clears throat> if you... Uh, I have seen now. Do you have any uh, any numbers, any statistics on um, this? May be a, a weird question. The success of RCI with with relationships that uh, that you have helped people, you know, go through this pro these these programs on. Um, I have no idea. Okay. You know, when when a coach graduates and a coach builds a practice and a coach is helping clients, oh, yeah, uh, know. you know, I have, no, I, have no, I have no way of knowing what, what results they get. I, I have no control over the results they get. Right. Uh, I do know there's studies of the coaching profession, you know, that have been done. Uh, and they're accessible through ICF, International Coach Federation. And the satisfaction rate and the effectiveness rate is just really, really, really high. And I think the reason for that is that we deal with functional people. Mm -hmm. We don't deal with people that are messed up, that are, you know, uh, yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we deal with people that see themselves as functional and capable of success. Mm -hmm. And so all they need is a partner. They need a coach. They need somebody to hold their hand and kick their butt and help them get through the obstacles and help them take the steps along the journey because without that partner, eventually you stall. Eventually you get stuck. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. And so you hire a coach so that you can get further faster than you can on your own. And the success rate of that is what? 100%. And that's really all, that's really all that matters. So you buy a car to get you from point A to point B. If it gets you from point A to point B, then it has a 100% success rate. Coaching 
helps a client get farther faster than they could on their own. 100% success rate. So why would you not buy a car if it can get you where you want to go? Why would you not hire a coach if it couldn't get you there further and faster than you could on your own? Everything else is is BS, really. You know, well, before I hire my coach, I want to be, I want to guarantee that I can find the love of my life. I want to guarantee that I can make a million dollars. I can make, I want to guarantee that I can be happy and fulfilled. Well, there's no guarantees in life. And asking that from coaching or any profession is, is, is foolish. However, you hire anybody for their skills and their track record and their ability to help you in the way that they can help you. So if you're not happy with where you are in your life and you want to get further than, than where you are and you'd like to get there sooner than later, then hire a damn coach. <laughs> you know, for crying out loud, you want to stay stuck. You want to keep the money in your pocket or do you want to spend the money on yourself, invest in yourself Hire a coach to go farther, faster than you could on your own. 100% success rate, I can confidently say that. Excellent. All right, so we've had our five stations of relationships, and um, we're going to go over them again, right? That's okay. Readiness, the attraction stage, the pre-commitment stage, because you haven't been able to find a better word for that yet. <laughs> yeah. The committed stage where they become uh, committed couples becoming a functional team. There's a lot of married people who aren't functional teams. Yeah. Um and then the whole bliss thing. I'm I'm shooting for bliss this time around. Um yeah. And that is really and that is really awesome. If you had uh Jess, do you have anything else right there? Uh not right there. Um you know I I was going to ask if there's anything that you wish people asked you more or anything that you wish we had asked you um, along the way? Well, that's a great question, Josh. Um, really, we've had such a, a far-ranging conversation that I can't think of anything specifically. I got to have some of my favorite rants. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So if if you had to come up with uh, one thing to tell people about creating the relationship of their lives, just one piece of advice um, as a parting wisdom, what would that be? Well, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. You're gonna cheat a little bit because. <laughs> I'm going to cheat a little bit because okay. you, you, I, I'll say one thing, but it's really a combination of things. Okay. Uh, my response to your question is, you know, go for it. Go for a hundred percent of what you really want. Don't settle even a little bit. Be absolutely honest with yourself and be absolutely authentic with other people about who you are and what you want in order to get what you want. It's that simple. It's scary. It's not necessarily easy, but it really is honestly that simple. Well, thank you so much, David. Um, we're going to have links to the books and the docuseries and everything else uh, in our show notes. Um, so people will just be able to get that over at jkwdpodcast.com. Uh, and uh, that's all I have today, Kelvin. 
Are there are there any just one more, are there any um I know you've given me a lot of information over time any kind of free programs or intro programs um on your website that people can take advantage of or do they just need to go on and see about a coach for dating or uh, I'm sorry in, uh, oh for dating yeah um I didn't know if there were any like um like you mentioned the, uh, the the questionnaire um to assess yourself but that's it that's in that's in your book right that's right so if you go to consciousdating.com you'll find uh you know free uh you know quizzes assessments free information there uh and so uh, yeah consciousdating.com has a lot of consultating information on it a lot of blog posts a lot of information about consultating that'd be a, a great free resource but really why does it have to be free I mean, spend $5, $10 on a book for crying out loud, you know, uh, go to relationship coach finder and, uh, talk to a coach. That's free. You know, just talk to a coach, just pick one and, and talk, just have a meeting, talk to a coach. That's free. But you know, uh, they say the best things in life are free. Well, in coaching, we we have a saying, uh, and uh, it goes like this: You get the benefit from what you invest in. You get the benefit from what you invest in. Now, sometimes investment is money. Sometimes it's it's time and effort. But without investing, and there's a certain amount of commitment involved in investing, you're not going to get the damn benefit. And so invest 10 bucks in the book, Conscious Dating, you know, invest some time in talking with a coach. Uh, you know, you get the benefit from what you invest in. If you try to stick your toe in the water, you try to keep it too safe and try to keep it free, then that's the best way to stay stuck. Excellent. So uh, where, where are you in the world right now? Is that just too much information? <laughs> we are in Sausalito, California. Okay. We are uh, we're finalizing some uh, engine work that we're having done. Uh, Grace has a brand new engine now, and uh, hopefully today we're going to take the boat out and test it out and try it. And the guy that installed it is going to make some final adjustments. Uh, but uh, yeah, having a a nice new, clean, well-running engine is very important to me. So uh, when we sold our house. Uh, when we sold our house, you know, we're taking the money from the house and we're putting the money uh, into the boat that is needed for us to really enjoy our lifestyle. Uh, and I mean, I'm 60 years old now. And how many years do I have left to to really enjoy this phase of my life? You know, maybe 10, 15 at the most. By the time I'm 75, I, I can't imagine, you know, being able to cruise the world on a boat and live this lifestyle. It's not an easy lifestyle. It's a very adventurous lifestyle. It's a fun lifestyle. It's a challenging lifestyle uh, in a lot of ways. It's not easy. And so if I only have 10 or 15 years, man, I'm going for it. I'm selling the house. I'm, I'm all in here. Sounds great. It's been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much, David, for taking the time um, to to talk with us today. 
uh, it was a great interview in my opinion and uh, hopefully lots of people will get to hear it and look to make changes in their lives and find the people uh, cool. to make them happy. Well, and Josh and Kelman, thank you very much for having me and thank you for your patience. And, you know, I know the first time uh, we scheduled didn't work out. So I appreciate you working with me on this. Well, glad we got it worked out. Thank you so much, David. All right. Have yeah. an awesome day. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Show notes and more at jkwdpodcast.com.